Jesus presented in the temple. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, what you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the, the, failing, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will be pierced your own soul too, will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at um, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Father, thank you uh, for Christmas, thank you for all that this time of the year means, and thank you for the opportunity this afternoon to think again about the Christmas uh, story, the Christmas message. And we pray as we look at these words, uh, you would speak, your spirit would move, and you'd help us to celebrate the birth of Jesus, just as Simeon and Anna of old did, we ask, for his glory. Amen. Uh, what are you longing for at the moment? On Friday, I had one of my favourite yearly experiences of longing for something, even in this most unusual of Christmas. Um, we get up early on Christmas Day, we, we put the turkey in the oven early and cook it low and slow, so that as the, the wonderful uh, turkey cooks, the, the, the smell of the fantastic feast uh, works its way through all the house. And it's an amazing moment. I love it every year. And part of why it's so amazing is that it stirs longing. It stirs a longing that if the smell of the turkey is so good, 
how much better is it actually going to be to sink my teeth into it? That smell stirs anticipation and hope and expectation. And when that longing turns to fulfilment and you tuck into your Christmas dinner, well, that is one of the greatest joys in life, whether turkey is your thing or not. So what are you longing for at the moment? Maybe you're longing for an end to coronavirus, longing to see family face to face again, longing to get your hands on a precious vaccine. Or maybe you're longing for a lion or longing for series four of Stranger Things to drop or longing to go to a live football match. Or maybe you're just longing for some stability. You're longing for the kids to go back to school next week so you can get some me time. Longing just to sit down again in your favorite coffee shop that's currently closed. You see, all those longings matter to us. And when those longings turn into fulfillment and you get what you're hoping for, well, that is a reason to celebrate. In the passage we're looking at today, we meet a man who's longing for something. Not a vaccine, not a lion, not an amazing show on Netflix, but something even better, even bigger, even more profound. The man we meet, Simeon, is longing, we see in verse 25 of our reading, for the consolation of Israel. See, he's longing for God to act, for for God to intervene, to deliver his people Israel, to, to restore their fortunes. And Simeon's longing is bound up, we read in verse 26, with a special promise that God's made him. It had been revealed to Simeon, we see there, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. You see, God's consolation of his people is linked with the coming of the Messiah, the long-promised rescuer king, the anointed ruler of the world who's going to put everything right. And Simeon had been promised that one day he would see the Lord's Messiah. That was what he was longing for. And in the verses today, that longing gives way to fulfillment. And it is a day to celebrate. Because Simeon meets the Lord's Messiah. Jesus himself, the baby born that first Christmas. Now, people get excited about meeting new babies all the time. That's why proud parents send out pictures of the ultrasound scans to friends to share their happy news. But more than normal human excitement is going on here. You see, God has kept a promise. And the Spirit is moving Simeon to arrive at the same time in the temple in Jerusalem, just as Mary and Joseph, this godly family, arrive to present Jesus to the Lord. And so God is bringing these characters in the story together so that Simeon can encounter the baby Jesus. He can meet the Messiah, the hope of Israel, so his longing can turn to fulfillment. And when it does, joy is the response. And Simeon sings with deep joy to God. Now, his song might strike us as an unlikely candidate for the Christmas number one. It's not as catchy as the fairy tale of New York, I'll give you that. But it is one of the most important songs ever sung. 
And that's the song we're going to be looking at today that expresses Simeon's deep delight in God. But we can also sing today as well. This song can give us a reason to celebrate too. Each of us can join in Simeon's song of praise. And as we do so, we can be sustained in difficult days. We can experience peace in suffering. We can find help when we feel vulnerable. As we do so, we can begin to make sense of the Christian faith if we're not sure where we stand with it and we're exploring it for ourselves today. As we do so, we can gain perspective on everything else that we're longing for. So friends, let's listen into Simeon's song today and see why he's so excited that the hopes of the nations are reaching fulfilment as he sees the Messiah. The first reason why Simeon's so excited to meet the Messiah is that the Messiah is, we read, salvation from God. Salvation from God. See, that is how Simeon describes the baby he's holding. Look at verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations. See, spot the logic. As Simeon holds the baby Jesus in his arms, he's holding the Lord's Messiah. He's holding the one who would come to this broken, sinful, rebellious world and make it all right again. He's holding the one through whom God's salvation is going to come. He's holding the Saviour. And for Simeon, this is the moment that his whole life has been leading up to. And this moment of fulfilment means that now Simeon says, well, he's happy to die. His life's purpose has been realised. It's kind of like what happens at the end of Avengers Endgame, when Tony Stark defeats Thanos but is mortally wounded. Uh, Sorry, spoilers. Um, And his wife Pepper says to him, you can rest now. And Tony dies because his task has been achieved kind of like that here except here isn't fantasy here is reality God has kept his word of promise Simeon has met the Messiah and he's ready to be dismissed in peace and go to be with God Simeon is confident Jesus the Messiah is salvation from God see Jesus the Messiah is salvation from God he He is the saviour. And that is amazing news. This idea and language of salvation speaks of how something has gone profoundly wrong with us and with the world around us. But that God hasn't left us to fend for ourselves. God hasn't washed his hands of us. He's not shrugged his shoulders and gone, not my problem. Far from it. God has come to us in the person of his son, the saviour, precisely because it is his problem. And it's a thrilling time. It's like that wonderful moment in the Chronicles of Narnia when the children hear that Aslan is on the move. It stirs hope and excitement in their souls and it's meant to have that same effect today. God is on the move. The saviour is coming. He is coming to save. And the idea of salvation 
shines out against the dark backdrop that something is deeply wrong with our world. It is a place of beauty, but, but also brutality, of, of delight and, and confusion in, in equal measure, of joy and of suffering. The good news of salvation shines out against the dark backdrop that something is profoundly wrong with us. We're capable of amazing self-sacrifice and amazing self-service. We're not all that we should be. We, we stockpile toilet roll under lockdown so that others can't have it. We don't live up to other people's expectations of us, to, to say nothing of our own expectations. We, we hurt others. We, we fail to keep our word. We let people down. And we experience these horizontal relational problems because actually we all suffer from a deeper vertical relational problem. We're out of step with others around us, with the world, with ourselves, because we're actually out of step with the God who made us and loves us. We're rebels against him. We try to find meaning and identity in anything apart from him. We try to make our own way in his world without thinking about him. And we're culpable for this rebellion. So we need to be renewed. We need to be restored to a right relationship with God. We need to be saved from the awful consequences of turning away from the God who is life. And so in his great love, God has come to save through Jesus the Messiah. And Jesus will achieve this salvation through his life, but also through his death, so that we can be forgiven by God, but also through his return to life again afterwards as a sign of a new world order breaking in full of life and joy and peace. No wonder then Simeon was so excited to hold the baby Jesus in his arms. He was holding the saviour, God's salvation. And if you've never turned yet to Jesus as the saviour, then you're actually missing the point of him coming to earth. It's kind of like focusing on the Brussels sprouts on Christmas Day and forgetting about the turkey. See, Jesus is God's salvation. So why not let him save you? It's the greatest Christmas present you can ever receive. But for those of us who do know Jesus as the saviour, let's keep reminding ourselves how amazing it is that God himself would come to save us so that we can be excited today to meet Jesus as Simeon of old was then. We too can be excited because Jesus is still the Messiah. Still salvation from God. Jesus the Messiah is salvation from God. That's the first reason Simeon's excited today. Second reason why Simeon's excited and he sings uh, is that Jesus is light for everyone. Jesus is light for everyone. That universal idea is there in verse 31 when S Simeon speaks about God's salvation which he's prepared in the sight of all nations. I don't know about you, if you're a fan of having an audience when you're making your Christmas preparations. I don't know how you find being in the kitchen and doing all the cooking when your family and friends are, 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 are watching on. Maybe you thrive on having an audience, or maybe that just stresses you out. I don't know. 
But God is happy with an audience watching his Christmas preparations because Jesus is born and, and, and it's a public thing. It's, it's out there for everyone to see. That's the idea. Jesus is a light for everyone. It's a public display. It's that kind of idea. And as a light for everyone, Simeon says it has impact for the two big groups in the first century, Jews and Gentiles. And both these groups are impacted by Jesus' arrival. To both of these groups, verse 32, Jesus is a light. That image of Jesus as light is fairly common to us, I guess, isn't it? And it speaks of the hope that Jesus can bring into dark situations. The confidence that his light can dispel the darkness of our sin and ignorance and lostness. Jesus is a light. But specifically for Gentiles, for non-Jews, look at verse 32. Jesus is a light for revelation, we read here, for the Gentiles. See, these Gentiles weren't part of Israel. That They didn't have access to the truth of God that was recorded in the Old Testament. They were outside the stream of that revelation. They were ignorant of the ways and works of God. They were outsiders. And yet Jesus comes to bring God's revelation to the outsiders, to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, to people like you and me who aren't ethnically Jewish. Jesus brings this revelation in his person, his God himself entering our world so that we, we can look at Jesus in action and, and see the heart and, and the character and the behaviour of God. Jesus brings this revelation in his teaching, rightly telling us the ways and works of God. Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles, we read. But also, verse 32 again, for Israel, Jesus is their glory. He is a light for the glory of his people, Israel. See, Jesus is the fulfilment of all the hopes and longings of the Old Testament. All the promises to David and Abraham find their ultimate fulfilment in him and what he's come to achieve. That's why Simeon and Anna, male and female, both devout Jewish believers, celebrate the arrival of Jesus together in these verses. All the hope of Israel is bound up with Jesus. That's why Simeon's excited. Jesus is a light for everyone. And the same is still true today. Jesus is still a light for everyone. I think that is amazing news. Because so many in our world are confused about what God is like. If he's thought about at all, he's caricatured as a cosmic killjoy or, or a cruel tyrant or just a bigger version of Father Christmas with his naughty or nice list, checking up on us to see whether uh, how we're doing with our moral performance, just waiting for us to trip up so that he can punish us. And we live in a world with many different competing religious claims, with different authorities telling us what we should think about God. And in fact, if you Google the question, can we ever know spiritual truth, You'll get about 242 million hits. That's a pretty big list of options, isn't it? How on earth can we navigate these different views of God? How can we see our way clearly through the possible options out there to be humbly confident that we found the truth? Well, simple. 
by believing that Jesus has come as a light for revelation so that anyone, everyone can look at him and see God in the flesh. That's why we sing, he came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. And this revelation is open, it's available to everyone to investigate. If you've never considered that Jesus could be light for revelation, to show you who God is and what God's like, then can I encourage you to give it a try this new year? Start looking at Jesus and I guarantee you'll be surprised by the kind of God you encounter. And if we are sure that Jesus is light for revelation, keep looking to him. That means really practically getting stuck into the Bible because as we read the Bible, we meet Jesus there. We learn about Jesus there. We, we, we encounter Jesus there. So why not make it your heart resolution in 2021 to spend a bit more time in the Bible? so that you can meet Jesus there and he can continue to be a light for revelation to you, to bless you, to encourage you, and to do you good. No wonder Simeon was so excited to hold the baby Jesus. He was holding the one who would reveal God to the world. Jesus, the Messiah, is light for everyone. That's the second reason why Simeon's excited. Jesus is light for everyone. Third and final reason why Simeon sings and we can sing today is that Jesus is an obstacle for the proud. An obstacle for the proud. That's what Simeon goes on to say when he speaks to Mary after he's finished singing. Look at verse 34. This child, he says to Mary, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. See, in other words, Jesus is like an obstacle in people's paths. Like a, a tree or a stone that you might trip over when you're out for your socially distanced Christmas walks. Some fall before Jesus in humility. And then rise again as they find salvation in him. Others, though, trip over him. They take offence at him. They speak against him or criticise him in one way or another. And in that criticism, in that response to Jesus, their pride is revealed for everyone to see. Just like how a nasty infection on the inside is often revealed by a rash on the outside. And no one likes to hear people criticising a loved one. That's painful, isn't it? And it was painful for Mary. As Jesus is criticised, we see in verse 35, the promise is made that a sword will pierce her own soul too. And this criticism will ultimately culminate in Jesus, her son, being betrayed and arrested and executed on a Roman cross as an enemy of the state. Oh, the tone shifted from major to minor key as we're this part of Simeon's song. But it still helps us see the significance of Jesus the Messiah. He is an obstacle for the proud. He was then, and he still is today, an obstacle for the proud. 
And that's deeply challenging, isn't it? It means we need to think twice about instinctively rejecting Jesus, about walking away from him, about dismissing him as irrelevant. Jesus is set before each and every one of us, and we are forced to a decision regarding him. We either fall before him in humility, so we can experience his salvation, receive the revelation he brings, and so rise again. Or we trip over him. We spurn him. We, we expose in doing so the spiritual darkness of our own hearts. See, the one thing you can't do is stay neutral about Jesus. It's just like Marmite. You, you either love it or, or you hate it, and you should hate it because it's disgusting. And it's exactly the same with Jesus. You're, you're either for him or, or you're against him. He's either your Lord or, or he isn't. You're either enjoying his salvation or you're missing out. So, so please don't dismiss Jesus based on instinctive reaction rather than thoughtful reflection. Be humble enough this Christmas to look again at Jesus, to consider he could be the saviour you need, the light you need, the Messiah that you've been longing for. If we do that, well, we can take up Simeon's song and be as excited about the Messiah as he was. But if we have already committed our way to Jesus, then let's be clear what this is telling us. Jesus is a hugely divisive figure always has been and he always will be so let's not be surprised when polite well-mannered middle-class Kenilworth people around us respond to Jesus with hostility or venom or scorn it's always been that way Jesus forces a decision on people and the instinctive reaction of some will be to hate, to, to speak against him, as Simeon says. And when that happens, let's hold our nerves. Let, let's be prepared for that. It's not nice, but we can be prepared for it. Let's keep looking to Jesus and trusting him, even when we experience that from other people around us. No wonder when Simeon speaks to Mary, his words are so challenging. He's holding the one who's going to reveal the hearts of everybody. Jesus the Messiah is an obstacle for the proud. Well, friends, we thought today about the moment when Simeon's longings turn to fulfilment and he holds the Messiah in his arms. That was a day to celebrate for Simeon, and it's a day for us to celebrate too. You see, God has kept his promises. Jesus the Messiah is on the move. He has come, he, he's lived, he's died, he's risen, he's ascended to glory, and we benefit from all he's done for us so richly. But as we finish, let's remember, that is not the end of the story. Because just like Simeon, we're still longing for the Messiah to come. Not the first time, but for a second time. That's part of the meaning of Advent this time of the year. We're longing for our salvation to fully and finally be perfected when Jesus returns. We're still longing for the final renovation of our broken hearts, for the final renovation of our broken world. 
And until that day, we're called to patience, for humble trust, for ongoing day-by-day discipleship. See, in, in, in that sense, every day is Advent. We're always waiting, always longing, always looking forward. So whatever else you are longing for today, let me urge you, this last Sunday in 2020, make sure you continue to long for the return of Messiah Jesus. Longing for the time when faith turns to sight, when hope turns to reality, when absence turns to closeness, when longing turns to fulfilment that really will be a day to celebrate and to help us do that let me close by reading some words written many many years ago between the 6th and the 10th century by Christians who lived before us that expressed lots of what we've been thinking about today and point us forward to keep longing for the coming of the Messiah as God's people said then so we say today O saviour of our fallen race The world will see your radiant face. For you who came to us before will come again and all restore. Let songs of praise your name adorn. O Christ, Redeemer, Virgin born, whom with the Father we adore. And Holy Spirit, evermore. So may we come and adore him again. Born the king of angels, the one who did enter our world, who did die, who did rise again, and who is returning. And so may he, the risen Christ, fill our hearts with his eternal joy and peace this Christmas time. And let's pray we experience that in this most unusual, most unprecedented and most unexpected Christmas that I'm sure we hope to live through. Let me pray for us that that's what will happen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this amazing moment when Simeon met the baby Jesus, when you kept your promise and he saw the Lord's Messiah with his own eyes. Thank you for the reasons he was so excited then, because he knew Jesus was God's salvation. Help us to know that and experience that ourselves today and to delight in that salvation when we find it. Thank you that he knew Jesus was light for everyone, Thank you that he has come to be a light for revelation to us today so that we can see you in him and through him. Please help us to keep looking at Jesus so that we might know you more fully this year. I thank you that he is the great obstacle that divides humanity into two camps, for or against, with or without Christ. Father, give us the humility to keep trusting Jesus to keep rising in the grace and salvation he brings and to keep believing that he is at work. And although he divides people, he is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And help us to long this year, just as Simeon did of old, just as Anna did of old, for the great moments when you broke in and did beautiful, new, amazing things in their lives and in their world. Help us to long for that great day when all sadness will become undone, when the brokenness and hurt of our own hearts and lives 
will be eradicated, washed away, made good when Jesus returns. When that salvation begun in Christ is fully, finally achieved in every sphere and way imaginable. Help us this Christmas time to long for the coming of the Messiah. Not once in obscurity and poverty and humility. But his great return in power and majesty and glory. May we lift our heads and our hearts to see him coming this Christmas time we pray. For his sake. Amen.